There is a story that is filled with dark, abrupt, devious, and downright evil energy. Despite the intense fears and horrific tragedy, it's not spoke of frequently. It is a story that hides beneath the shadows of another murderous tale. It is the story of Red Rum. But before we get into the area of tales, we must concentrate on the era of where it all brewed. Back in London, England, in the Whitechapel district, there was a murderous energy that took place. The story of Jack the Ripper is the most enduring infamous and almost mysterious criminals to have walked this earth. Not only is it a energy of the devil dancing in the dark to his prey, It is an energy that happened where many of us seen it, felt it, and recalled the dark, empty feeling of Jack the Ripper. In 1888, there was something a little bit more gruesome than the murders that Jack completed there was a spirit that was dancing and a young man who met him the murders of Jack the Ripper took place between August and November 1888 a series of death. His targets were young prostitutes, Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, and Catherine Eddowes, both murdered the same evening. Mary Jane Kelly. The murders were marked as extremely brooding, brutality, and brutal, horrific suffering. The victims were mutilated, disemboweled, and their throats were often slit, where the blood would pool in the streets of London. 
the gruesome and disgusting nature of Jack was an energy that transformed areas of panic, fear, as the authorities continue to look the investigation was never really as one might say clear structured or organized it was downright sloppy despite the tense scrutiny that the police received from trying to solve this case. The tale of Jack the Ripper remains a mystery to this day. Some may even believe that his soul, if there was one, has reincarnated through times and decades. That the energy of Jack is hidden in the shadows in plain sight for many of the people who become witness and endower the dark side feeding off young lives in their time of need maybe in their time of committing crimes a feeling misunderstood but Jack seems to have gotten away. The police often talk about the letters they received from Jack and the taunting messages from the killer further intrigued the public. Where was he? How was he not found? The media sensation of Jack the Ripper was all over the London streets, which allowed a new spirit entity to roam freely. Curiosity. Death. The area of the perplexed murders were all that the media concentrated on. There's numerous theories and suspects, but there's one suspect that seems to gotten away in the dark underbelly of London. While this tale has not been expressed from many or even talked about by few, the legend, the mystery, the synchrosity of red rum begins with the time of Jack. There was a young lad 
who grew up in a home where often the walls were closing in. The energy of hurt echoed his heart. He never felt love quite the opposite. His father was a mean old man and sometimes would yell, scream. He often would see his father drinking his drink, reading his papers in the old decrepitous London building known as a flat he lived in. His name was Stephen. He was a quiet young boy. So many people often wondered about him. Quite frail thin and pale. He would go to school and the kids would laugh at him. His clothes were never tightly put together and he just had this mysterious look. It might have been the dark circles under his eyes from not getting enough sleep by the constant yelling and screaming of his father. His pale, dry, chapped lips often left the teachers worried about what was going on in the home. Where was he eating? Was this child even drinking? water or milk. In the time of 1888, most people felt a fog of the home life of the child, while people would speculate and often wonder. It was not the concerns of the community to abrupt a family unit or to even check on a child at this time. Most women didn't question men regardless of a child's appearance. Stephen didn't have much help and our imagination can only go wild of the terror that was in that London flat. As Stephen grew, he grew very docile. He never spoke of his upbringing. 
Sometimes with friends, he would mention his mother. Sometimes he would speak of how he was so well behaved as a child. He wasn't like the other lads running in the London streets, mischievous and stealing breads from the market. He knew better for if he ever disobeyed or embarrassed his father, there would be hell to pay. He didn't believe in tricks and pranks. He thought the only way to stay out of trouble was to remain quiet. A child who barely spoke. Growing up into a man The thoughts that ran through Stephen's head were filled from an empty, loveless home. His mother, frightful of the father, never spoke up, never saved Stephen from his beatings. Stephen, as a young man, became somewhat of a workaholic. Forever making ends meet, forever making quite enough to be on his own. Stephen became a blacksmith, working night and day so he could have money to live on his own. At the tender age of 16, many were surprised. He left the home as soon as he could. One gloomy, foggy night in London. As Stephen is coming home to his London flat, his neighbor stops and says, your mother was looking for you. Your father is sick. She wants you to go home and see him. Stephen looked at the neighbor and said, thank you. I will. The neighbor walked away. Later that night, Stephen grew up enough courage to make it back to the family's home. As he walked in, the door creaked. It felt cold. 
His mother ran to him, grabbed him, and hugged him as she began to weep. Stephen rubbed her back. His mother was a tiny little woman. Her frailness reminds Stephen of himself when he was a child. He could feel the ribs in her back. She said, he's sick. He's dying. I don't know if he's going to make it through tonight. Stephen just kissed her on her head. Sit down. Take care of yourself. There's nothing you can do. He walked into the room where his father laid helpless, old, and gray. He stood above his bed and he looked. The old man was gasping slowly for air. His breaths were shallow. Each time he breathed, his lips moved. Stephen thought of words he could say, but he felt nothing. He watched his monster, his beast, the man who never said, I love you, I'm proud of you. The man who would beat him endlessly. Take his last breath. His lips stopped moving. His chest did not rise. The shallow breaths slowly were gone. An emptiness surrounded the room as a cool air of relief. moved out the window. Stephen looked and saw the window was open as the mother. So cold outside. Why do you have the window open? She cried. I wanted him to get breaths. I wanted him to breathe. I thought the air would help him. Stephen shook his head. Smother, it doesn't matter. Nothing was going to change it. 
It was his time. You need to call them. So they could come get him. His mother sobbed. Though Stephen had love for his mom, there was an emptiness, a shadow, for she never spoke up. She never fought for him. She never helped him. The embarrassment, the shame, the torture. His dad. Would place on him. Stephen took a big breath and he said, Mother, I must leave. He gave her one final hug. He said, we will get funeral arrangements and don't worry, I'll help you. But I, I, I think you need to stay with your sister. You can't stay with me. She began to weep. I don't want to stay with my sister. Look, mother, you can't stay with me. I'm, I'm worried about you. You're so frail. Look at your bones. You can see them through your skin. Why don't you eat? Stephen began to get mad, and then he stopped. Because of him. Because of him. The mother said, Stephen, please, not now. Not now. Stephen took out a sigh and he said, Mother, you need to start taking care of yourself. He is gone now. It's time. You need help. Stephen knew why his mother was so frail. If she did something the father did not like, just like Stephen as a child, he would banter for dinner and food because it was his hard-working money that brought the food into the home. Nobody else's. If she wasn't able to get his favorite item from the store or the market, maybe she didn't dust the house as expected. No dinner for mom. Stephen often felt guilty and ashamed for leaving his mother years alone in the home with that monster. Stephen knew she wouldn't leave. He had no choice. He had to leave. He slowly walked out the door as his mom continued to weep, and he closed it. 
he decided to go down to the local tavern. Stephen was now a young man. He knew what was expected of him. The bartender greeted Stephen. He said, can I get you a drink? Stephen goes, yeah. The bartender said, very well. You have to try this rum. It's from Cuba. It has a nice smoky hint to it. You can almost taste the molasses and sugar. You'll like it. He passed him his drink. Stephen sat there at the bar, emotionless, quiet, reflecting the memories piling through his head. His heart even felt a little bit torn. Which was odd. Stephen was never an emotional person. He always had a good sense on his shoulders. While he did grow up in a very dark home, he saw the perspective of people who had a loving home. But he almost felt a little sad. The bartender saw his drink was gone. (laughs) He laughed. Round two? Stephen says, yeah. Round two. The bartender said, hey man, what's going on? As Stephen began to set and sip and sip his second drink. He goes, my father died. The bartender said, oh man, I'm sorry. Stephen kind of shook it off. Ah, don't worry about it. He was a fucking bastard. The bartender kind of shrugged. So yeah, my dad could be a real ass too. Stephen goes, my mom looks like she's a skeleton. The bartender kind of looked quiet. What? My mom? You won't allow her to eat. I'm glad the son of a bitch is gone. The bartender said, yeah, you know, death's a funny thing. Maybe it was a blessing. (laughs) Stephen kind of chuckled. 
as he put down his empty glass. He said, I think I'll take another one. The bartender goes, that, that rum is good, isn't it? Stephen goes, yeah, it is. Stephen, not much of a drinker. Was kind of surprised he was on his third glass of rum. But hey, with everything he's been going through, why not? Stephen took it as he sat there laughing, blind. by the evil he just experienced. The energy of his father's spirit leaving. The window was open. He chuckled. My mom probably had the window open. Trying to kill that son of a bitch. Who has the window open in this weather? London's very cold. (laughs) Stephen kind of chuckled. He put down his empty glass and he said, you know what, I think I'm going to take one more and then I better head on out. The bartender filled up the glass. They were laughing. Stephen saw two young women walk in. He looked memorized as he looked at them. One of them smiled. Her hair was dark. Her lips were red. Stephen smiled back. The two young ladies were sitting at a seat at a table in the tavern at a corner. They were smiling and conversating. Stephen thought, maybe I should talk to one with the red lips. (laughs) Stephen laughed to himself. I can't. I can't. That energy of uncertainty Grief, disobeyment. Stephen always felt like he would never have his own family. He didn't deserve love. That energy still lingered in the shadow of his soul. He saw them laughing how beautiful she looked with her red lips, dark jacket, 
and beautiful black skirt. The fog was getting thick this night. That atmosphere. was quiet. All of a sudden it got extremely quiet. Stephen turned around and the woman was in front of him. She goes, hi. I'm Marana. How are you? Stephen smiled. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. She goes, I want to invite you to a service. The local church is having a service tomorrow. And I sing in the choir. And we're trying to, you know, get more people to come. Stephen thought, yeah. What time? 9 a.m. Yeah. I can I can come by. Stephen was memorized by her beauty. He could almost smell her fragrance of rose cider and a touch of vanilla. Her smile was beautiful. She said, okay, yeah, stop by. It was nice to meet you, Stephen. Stephen thought, yeah, I'll stop by. It was nice to meet you, Marana. As she left the tavern. Stephen was almost in disbelief. Woman that gorgeous wouldn't fight me? Wow. Okay. <laughs> the bartender looked at him and said, You old dirty dog. <laughs> they laughed. Stephen. Six drinks in of rum. Gets up. I gotta head on out. I apparently gotta be at church at 9 a.m. The two laughed. The bartender says, Take care. Stephen says, I'll try. Stephen makes it up to his old decayed flat that sat on the top of a London hill. It was overlooking a beautiful, empty, desolate landscape. It was even named the Overlook. Stephen thought to himself. All this time he's had this view of this empty land. The atmosphere almost felt moist, heroic. It was a reminder of the former glory of years 
of armies fighting and bringing despair. And even with all the murders that took place, it still had this beautiful, decadent, elegance of an open area. Never abandoned, just left. Because who could build on a land with so much life and death to it? But something about the hill felt beautiful. There was an echo that came with it. As Stephen looked upon the window, it was through the area of the quarters that filled his flat. It almost felt like the winter spoke to him. As he sat there in his empty flat with the dim lit hallways, he closed his eyes. There was a red behind it. He saw something, a word. It began to appear in his mind, almost sketch it in his invisible dream. He felt a hand on his shoulder. He was falling asleep. His mouth gasped open. What did it say? I almost fell asleep. Oh, what was I dreaming of? And then he felt the cold hand again. He jumped back. What was that? And all of a sudden, he took a sigh. His eyes closed, and he saw it. Red rum. Red rum. It was a message. He opened his eyes. He heard it. Red rum. Red rum. Stephen thought, what is going on? It was a message, a terrible, devious, evil warning that something terrible was lurking in the depths, from the hills, from the spirits, from the evil that lurked its way into Stephen's atmosphere. He closed his eyes again, and he saw it. Red rum. 
he whispered to himself. And then he began to trace the letters with his fingers. <laughs> he felt so sinister. The evil. The abuse. The toxicity. The death was all coming back. He said it again, Red Run, out loud. Oh my God. Stephen tried to compose himself, but he couldn't. Stephen thought, I'm just gonna go to bed. I'm just gonna go to bed. I'm just gonna go to bed. He slowly crept into his room, buried himself in the covers all night as he closed his eyes. He could not sleep because all he saw was red rum, red rum echoing through his mind. Red rum. Stephen thought, I'm not drinking ever again. As days and increamingly, extremely tired. Miraculously, Stephen was able to get himself up into that 9 a.m. church. He sat in the back as the choir sang. of red rum dancing throughout his head. After the service, Marana came up to him. She smiled. Stephen smiled. She goes, did you get home really late? You look a little tired. He looked disheveled. He looked like shit. Stephen goes, yeah, I see that way too late. She goes, well, thank you for coming. Yeah, sure, no problem. She goes, would you like to go maybe get something to eat for breakfast? The thought of food made Stephen's stomach turn. Um, he thought of his frail mother. Yeah, I probably should eat something. They went out to a little diner overlooking the streets. Sirens were blaring. Jack the Ripper. That's all everybody talked about in London. Marana goes, I am just so frightened about this Jack the Ripper. That night, there was another victim. Stephen goes, yeah, it's pretty freaking scary. I hope they catch him. Marana goes, I, yeah, I don't go anywhere at night. And I mean, I heard he's only 
targeting prostitutes, but you never know. Stephen goes, yeah, you never know. You shouldn't be traveling at night by yourself. <laughs> Stephen grabbed her hand. He goes, you probably shouldn't even be walking by yourself. Moranis smiled. Even though he looked like he'd been through hell and back. She knew there was a soul in there. And there was something about him she liked. <laughs> she said, yeah. Well, thank you. Maybe we could meet again. Stephen goes, yeah, no problem. I should probably walk you back to your home. They went on a walk. Talked. Shared stories. Giggled. Laughed. As days turned into weeks, the feelings began to grow between Marana and Stephen. Even though something dark and an influence was descending into the madness of Stephen's mind, fueled by evil spirits of the haunted energy of Red Rum. Every night that Stephen closed his eyes for six weeks, he would see it, he would feel it. There was an insatiable hunger to create pain and murder. He felt that he wanted somebody to suffer. He just didn't know who. One frightful evening, it was hailing. It was a blizzard in the London streets. The town was a little bit uneasy because Jack the Ripper was on again, killing the night before. As the hail poured down, Stephen almost felt horrifically brave, and he thought, I'm gonna kill Jack the Ripper. He knew Jack was a man of his business. And while the killings were occurring, Stephen set out to look for him. He figured Jack the Ripper would be frequently visiting bars, taverns, and where the women of the night sometimes would seldomly walk. If he could immolate what it was like to be a killer, he might be able to find a killer. Stephen always thought of himself as being somewhat of having a strong, intuitive thought. He might even say the word psychic. But in all actuality, it was the mind of the spirit taking over. His hands began to tremble as he walked the night, looking for the murderer. He did not see him. He could not find him. He came back to his flat. 
disgusted with himself. Failure. Again, he felt like a failure. The chilling secrets were about to be unlocked. Stephen laid in the bed and the words began to come again in the eyes. Red rum. Red rum. But he had unlocked the chilling secret. He got up, eager to write it out, to see it. He wrote it on the walls. One, two, three, four, five, six times. Stephen looked at it. He looked in the mirror. The word murder. Finally unveiled. Murder. Echoed. Murder. to run out the hotel of his flat. He opened the door and it was Marana. Oh, are you okay? Steven said no. Marana said, what's wrong? His heart was pounding. Stephen, what's wrong? Marana began, graspily worried. She was holding a dish in her hand. She goes, I made you this. It's shepherd pie. Um, are you okay? Stephen couldn't speak. He just felt his heart pounding. And all of a sudden, it came again. Murder. Stephen began to shake his head. Marana, you need to leave. What? Get out of here. I don't want your fucking pie. Get out of here. Marana took three steps back. Stephen, why are you saying this? You need to go. He slammed the door on her. He felt his heart pounding, pounding, and pounding. It was a final, harrowing showdown. As Stephen began to walk out, his London flat. He saw Marana 
across the street, no longer holding the pie. She threw it away. Stephen knew that one chance of love was gone. That one chance of love, a family of light was gone. As she began to walk, her shadow became dark. He knew he was never going to see her again. It was a harrowing showdown of good and evil, of love and light. She began further and further away. Stephen turned around and walked away. He was never seen from again. Marana spent days and nights looking for him. Jack the Ripper continued his murderous journey. But many believe there was someone else out there committing devious acts. While it's never been proven what Stephen has done, the echoes of red rum played throughout his head until its agony was revealed. Marana spent her whole life looking for him, hoping he would come back. Some even said that she explored a little bit of witchcraft, trying to get him to return to safety. Stephen's mother died three days later after his father. The emptiness filled her hesitant to being forced to move with her sister allowed her soul to reunite with the dark shadows. The moral of the story, if there is one,
is not to let the mind consume you. The thoughts and shadows that enter your body when you are at your weakest. When you feel the most obstacles. Allowing the darkness to take over the mind will sometimes leave us in a state of haunted thoughts. Sleep well, my friends. <laughs>